Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey Griefsters, I hope you're having an okay week. I'm recording this extremely late because uh, just for update, she's sleeping guys, my child, if you listened to last week's intro, but now I've got loads of work to catch up on and I have to do it late at night. Um, what have I been doing? I can also recommend watching this season of RuPaul's Drag Race if you don't already. It's so good guys. It's nothing about grief, but... Start lighting the mood. Um, also, we have a live grief cast come up. That's actually genuine information for you. June the 6th, I'm going to be joined by Jeff Lloyd, Josie Long, and Camille You Can, as well. All amazing podcasters and comedians in their own right at the Underbelly Festival uh, on the South Bank. You can head to their website for tickets, or I've been tweeting tickets as well. Do make sure you're following us on at the Griefcast. This week's guest is writer Emma McLeisett. Ema is the author of two incredibly funny, brilliant, best-selling books with her longtime friend and collaborator, Sarah Breen. They've been hailed as Ireland's answer to Bridget Jones. Oh My God, What a Complete Ashling! and the follow-up, The Importance of Being Ashling, are available to buy in paperback now. Ema came in to talk to me about her dad. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with Ema McLeisett, who is one of the authors of the incredibly successful, um, oh my God, what a complete Ashling, and the new book, which is coming out very shortly, which is The Importance of Being Ashling. Um, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> um, Ema, this book has like an amazing back history, doesn't it? Which, of like how it became yeah. a book. What, do you mind, if people haven't heard of it or don't know your story, what's yeah. this? So, um, as you mentioned, I co-wrote it with uh, Sarah Breen, who's one of my best friends, and we've been friends for, I think, about 18 years. We went to college together. We lived together in various places wow. in Dublin. We're both from Ireland, uh, both ended up in Dublin for college. And we can trace the origins of Ashling, who's the central character in these books, back to, we think, one hungover Saturday, <laughs> sitting under blankets in our flat in Stony Batter, which is a little part of Dublin. And we were wondering, like, who are the girls who keep the brown mascara industry going? <laughs> <laughs> that was like one of our first touchstones oh for this God. character. And we were like, you know, those girls you see walking really fast to work, getting in their steps, yeah. building up their Weight Watchers points and carrying their lunch in like Brown Thomas, which is a, a fancy department store in Ireland, maybe the equivalent of 
Harrods or something here and yeah, yeah. so you might buy something a treat oh and keep the bag and then keep the bag and then carry your lunch and then you might also have your runners in the bag and have your court and change under the under the desk in work and we, we we kept attributing all of these characteristics to this character and we were like what might her name be and we were like Ashling. It's a good, solid Irish name. <laughs> it's a name that might be misspelled sometimes, oh, which is yeah. something Ashling would hate. Yeah. So well, as I'm friends with, who's done the show as well, Ashling B. Oh and, yes, of course. And she's in America at the moment, and they constantly like welcome Aisling B. Yeah. Which of course you can understand yeah. why you'd go there, but yeah. yeah. And yeah. as an owner of an Irish name myself, yes. I get a lot of Emma or yeah. Emma's, and you know it's fine. But yeah, so Ashling was born, and this was back in about 2008. So it was the days before group texts mm. or WhatsApp messages or really group messaging of any kind. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. really a thing. So we were sharing this Ashen character with our friends and we were all coming up with these amazing characteristics, like really specific stuff. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things was like Ashling has never dyed her hair because the sun brings out such a lovely natural blonde <laughs> highlight. Like it's mousy brown. That's yeah. the, the start and end of Ashling's hair is it's mousy brown and she thinks yeah. it has a lovely natural kink. But, um, <laughs> So we were kind of afraid we were losing all of these kind of funny things yeah, Sarah yeah. and I were sending to each other. So I set up a Facebook page. It was the only way I could think of to really start yeah, a community. It, yeah. But it was only for our friends. It was only yeah. for me and Sarah and maybe four other people. And it just kind of grew organically and wow. people started joining and we could trace back to when you know, the first person joined who we didn't know, who wasn't a friend of a friend or yeah. didn't, but everyone just got it. And they were like, I know an Ashling. I am an Ashling. Yeah. I sit beside Ashling at work. <laughs> I aspire to be Ashling. She's so organized. <laughs> so um, that was 10 years ago. And fast wow. forward, an Irish publisher approached us and said, we love this character. You know, you've made her into such a well-rounded human being. Yeah. Would you write a book? And Sarah and I have always wanted to work together, but we're incredibly lazy, so I've never <laughs> managed. I've never managed to, uh, you know, pull out the finger and get up off our arses and do it. So we said, yeah, but we'd like to do a novel. And I think they had thought that we would do kind of a gift compendium book that they right. would sell by a, a tail at yeah. Christmas, and that would be that. And I'd been approached that sort of thing, and yeah. you're like, I'd like to write a three, like, yeah, yes, yeah, a novel in the style of Chekhov. And they're like, we wanted exactly. to say about emojis by the till. Can we talk about our prose? Yeah. Um, so we, Sarah and I said, look, we don't want, we want, if we were going to do that, if we're going to finally be able to work together, we yeah. want to be proud of it. Also, we didn't think anyone was going to read us. We just didn't want to make a show of ourselves in front of our mams. Yeah. And just, you know. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Yeah, exactly. Aww. So we just, um, we said, can we do a novel? They said, uh, give us a one page synopsis. We, true to form, left it to the night before they wanted sure. it, went to the pub, wrote the synopsis. And the rest is history. We wow. wrote the book in about four months because, again, we left it too late. <laughs> you guys are amazing. This yeah. is my dream. This is how well, I write there everything. There are two of us, so you only have to write half a book each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we wrote a novel. Yeah, wow. and it has become a huge well, it's success. huge, huge. Yeah. And you've got a screenplay deal as yeah, well. Yeah, so we're currently working on the screenplay with Element Pictures, oh who um, are very well respected. Their probably biggest success to date has been with Room, which was you oh, know, wow. big in the Oscars yeah, a few yeah. years ago, and Lenny Abramson directed it. So we're working with the producer and a development person there. So... Your yeah, life has like really changed then, hasn't it? Yeah, like, we've been able to give up our jobs. We both worked in media. I was in radio and online journalism. Sarah was in magazines, but we've both been able to give up our, wow. but this is our day job now is, yeah. is writing books. We can't believe it. Like we've turned messing into a career. We're just messers. <laughs> like. um, but yeah, it's been amazing. Like we just can't yeah. believe it. It's hard, isn't it? When I, it sounds like you slightly well I'm always projecting but it sounds similar to what I have of like something that you find easy to do which is like mucking about yeah so you don't think when well, no I was gonna pay me to do that's so the thing it's easy it's not important it's not serious yeah and then when the more you want you realize you want to do it and the more people start offering you money to do that thing you're like oh but that's just the thing I did yeah like at home it without be, thinking it can be difficult to feel like you deserve it oh massively, massively. like I often feel a bit guilty I'm like oh, but like a lot of people we've we've met so many people now on like kind of the literary circuit yeah. in Ireland and further afield and people live and breathe and they they do their day jobs and then they come home and they write for hours and yeah. they strive and they strive and Sarah and I have worked hard don't get me wrong yeah. but we did kind of have it handed to us yeah but then in I try and then pull it back and go but we've developed this character for 10 years yeah, and we yeah. put a lot of work into it and, and I think you when you write comedy um it's you can't compare to writer writers yeah because writer writers um sit in you know 
beautiful sheds in a wood <laughs> crafting for 12 hours and they say I wake at nine and I write until I can't stop but comedy writers stare out the window have a cup of tea talk to their friends go on Instagram and then the joke is brewing yeah and, and make I think, constant notes on your phone yeah, that's what I do I yeah. see something and I go oh there's yeah. there's a joke it's and it's like that sometimes it's hard it's easy when like you do that to dismiss all that stuff yeah. like oh I'm not working it's like no it looks like I'm not working but messing around is yeah. work it's just also I enjoy it we're just incredibly lucky and yeah. then another level to it and as talented well. email. <laughs> talented. Thank you. not everyone can do that that's yeah. why I think you have to realize when you write comedy because it comes if it comes easy to you like yeah but it's just chatting yeah and then you're like no not everyone can do that yeah not everyone can chat and come up with noticing yeah. those things Sarah my co-author is good at, at kind of bringing it a bit back to that and going oh look at the amount of messages we get from yeah, people who've been yeah. really touched by our books and you know look how many people have bought them look how many people have yeah. gone back out to buy the yeah second if you one. were just lucky and yeah. like chucking it out you wouldn't be you know it wouldn't yeah. be as successful as it was four of your friends would have read it and gone well done yeah you didn't make a show of yourself yeah, yeah. It's, grand. it's lovely and <laughs> yeah. um i'll give it to my friend for christmas yeah. like that's not what's happening yeah um so obviously you know that's not quite why you're here today mm -hmm. so who are we remembering today we're remembering life? my dad your dad what was your dad's yeah, name leslie 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 mcleiser yeah leslie mcleiser it's yeah. a very grand name i yeah. like that name yeah, yeah it sounds glamorous uh, leslie thomas peter mcleiser i think oh. is his full name oh it's yeah. lovely so he oh. died on the 25th of may 2008 so would you say is that almost when you started doing this yeah about it was around wow. the same time let me think it was probably around the same time dad died when I was living in that flat with Sarah and our friend Kiva. Wow. Um, and when we moved into that flat, he was, I think it was probably the summer before he died. Wow. And I remember I didn't even see the flat before we moved in because he was very ill around that time. Yeah. And the girls, we had been living in another terrible flat where nothing was plumbed properly. And there was <laughs> like a, a kitchen extractor fan just bolted to the wall. And we were like, well, we have to move. Yeah, yeah. So they... I moved into this flash sight unseen and I just wow. trusted them with it and said look I can't be involved in this move will you help move my stuff and they, yeah. they looked after it so yeah it was actually around the same time wow so you were obviously in need of some distraction yeah, yeah. and cheering up yeah I hadn't actually realized that but it was <laughs> I always say oh we started actually around 2008 and that's when dad died yeah, so yeah, yeah yeah I think it's very common for big stuff to happen or or that once someone dies yeah. because it's like you have a hole yeah. you've got a hole to fill of like yeah. they're not there so what are you going to fill it with yeah. like and it's you know some people fill it with bad things or other yeah. people go I'm going to make myself laugh for a bit yeah I think we probably filled it with messing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that you call it messing messing yeah it's lovely just big messers that's so nice <laughs> dossers as yeah. we say in Ireland yeah. pissing around <laughs> yeah well. pissing around yeah. yeah um so what did he die of he died of metastatic lung cancer so okay. uh what I have since learned, having yeah. gone through uh, lung cancer with a loved one, is it tends to start in the lung and then spread, and that's what ultimately kills the right. person. Yeah. So it spread to his brain. Oh God! So he was diagnosed, I think, around two thousand and five, two thousand and six, with lung cancer. Right. So it's quite a long journey. It, yeah, he was sick. For, it was on and off for a long time. Wow, that's um, hard. He was diagnosed with lung cancer after he had actually. Give, what's really heartbreaking is he had given up smoking. So it was, it was caused by smoking, yeah, years of yeah. smoking. He had given up smoking about 10 years previously, oh. uh, but it was too late, yeah. as is often the case with someone who's a very heavy smoker. And he would have started smoking probably in his early teens yeah. when it wasn't known that it was so bad for you. Oh. Then he was in the army where smoking would have been right. They used to hand them out, didn't they? Exactly, right. yeah. So, um, you know, I just feel really sorry for him. It wasn't, yeah. you know... But yeah, he, he was treated for the lung cancer and treated quite successfully. And then I learned kind of afterwards that you can't ever really treat lung cancer like it right. is I think 95% of the time ultimately terminal right you can just try and extend but the, the longevity bit. of the lifespan you know it's you yeah. know you can, you can live for a long time but uh, yeah it did ultimately spread to his brain and that's what killed him in the end yeah which was really sad because uh, often brain tumors like take the person away from you they're not yeah, really not the same compass mentis for which was the the case with dad for the last few months of his life definitely so when did it spread to his brain was that in 2008 did it sort of no that would have been around i would say early 2007 so right. he just started to display odd behavioral characteristics um my him and my mom were living at home you know in our family home and he just was becoming his behavior changed he was mm. ratty 
and he was getting a bit dizzy and he just wasn't behaving. Yeah. You know, she, she was like, something's up here. And she went in for tests and then it was, I remember the day she rang me. It was actually around the time we were moving. She rang me and said, you know, something's wrong with dad. He's, he's taken a spill, he's fallen in. He had fallen kind of over near the car and caused a dent in it or something. Wow. And she just got really worried. And so, you know, they went for tests and they confirmed, yes, it has spread to his brain. But, you know, again, they were very positive about treatment options and yeah. said, you know, chemotherapy is an option again, radiotherapy is an you know, even more of an option. Wow. Um, yeah, they do it to try and shrink the tumour in the brain. They try and shrink it. Yeah. And actually surgery was an option for him as well. Wow. So he actually went through two brain surgeries. Wow. Yeah. And it was all in a very compact space of time. Yeah. Like it's amazing what they were willing to put him through yeah. in order to make it. They obviously had a lot of hope for, for yeah. how long he could live. Well, it's a difficulty with the medical world, which obviously they are amazing and they're trying to save someone, but there is that element of... I think when you are a family of a cancer suffering, you sort of feel like, oh, they're fixing a, like fixing a car. Like they yeah. just have to take that bit out rather yeah. than like, like you said, no, he's going to die. Yeah. yeah. We're just working out if we yeah. do this, it might be longer. Yeah. I remember when I, when I realized he was always going to die yeah. and nobody told us. Yeah. I was really angry. Oh, I think it's really hard. Yeah. Similar happened to my dad that they offered him chemo. My mum was, she always says, she said, he's going to die. And they're like, no, we don't use that word, yeah. Mrs. Lloyd. And, you know, who knows? And she was like, I wish they'd said, yeah, he's going to die. We just yeah. don't quite know when. Yeah. Do you want him to go for this hideously painful yeah. <laughs> like, um, and expensive for the NHS and yeah. debilitating for him treatment? Or do you want him just to fade away? Just fade away, yeah. And I think when you haven't encountered death in your unit, I think now I, I maybe you feel that I'd be very different mm. to it now but when it's your first time you're like just make him better what can we do what can we do yeah and isn't it great oh he's doing better and we're yeah. getting good news and like you spend so much time in those consultants offices oh, those yeah. lovely fragrant ladies with the shiny <laughs> hair with the doctor's voices and yeah. they're like well you're not doing very well today are you Leslie yeah, yeah. and you're just waiting for them to say well it's good news yeah um but yeah and it's difficult so I think part of I'm sure there's a reason they don't spell it out because part of your brain just can't take it. Yeah. So they do sort of need you to get your head around it yeah. over that process of it, of treatment. Yeah. And I suppose like 2 years out from him dying yeah. or you know a year and a half maybe they did think yeah. that he, they could give him another 5 yeah, years. Yeah, you just don't know. Do but you? I feel like I would have liked to even know that the 5 years was an option. Yeah. Like I don't think Maybe my mother could correct me on this. I don't think we were ever told, or I was ever told anyway, that he was dying until six weeks before he died. And at that stage, wow. it was obvious to everyone that yeah. he was dying. And he died six weeks to the day that they that they gave and us that. And then they said, this is it. And that was at the point where he wasn't in the room. You know, that yeah. you get to the point where they're only telling, <laughs> yeah. they're not telling the very yeah. sick person, yeah. they're saying, so this is what's ahead of you. Wow. I think we were, I was kind of in denial. I was like, oh, maybe he'll rally. Yeah. Maybe he'll rally. I mean, it was never an option, really. He was... It's really hard, isn't it? Because I, I can't get my head around how much of it is medical, the way of, like, always try and fix a body and how much is a person being in denial and being yeah. like, oh, he's fine, yeah, yeah. he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> because you're giving him medicine and medicine yeah. makes people better. It's, I think it's a real... I don't think it's enough to just blame doctors because I think my family as well, we just... It was so fast. And they were like, well, we're going to do chemo. And we were like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Like, I don't think we had the time to process... Hang on a minute, what's happening here? Yeah. Why like, are you doing ours it? Ours was so drawn out, I can't yeah. imagine the opposite where it's so yes, quick. Yeah, yeah. And you hear that a lot. But I think drawn out is hard as well because then you, you do probably think, oh, well, he's, you know, been a year now and yeah. he's doing all right. And yeah. you, there's more hope in a way. In a way, the quickness, although it's awful, it, it's just done. It's just <laughs> it's done. Like, oh, they're dead. <laughs> you're not constantly, you're not waiting. Like, you know, we did a lot of wait. Like, I, yeah. I, there was a lot of watching of dad. Yeah, yeah. Probably mostly in between the first discovery of brain tumours and then discovery that they had come back you know more aggressively yeah, than ever yeah. there was a lot of you know he couldn't do anything without being watched and I remember he wasn't allowed drive yeah. after that first brain tumour and that really killed him he loved driving it was a big part of his life yeah so yeah it was it was a long it was a long period of illness but at the same time I feel like I can distill it down into like four or five events yeah, almost yeah, you know yeah. but but if I look at it as a wider uh a wider event it was years of you know hellish hospital visits yeah. and him getting sick into a cardboard cardboard bowl after chemotherapy yeah. and 
yeah. the, what, it, what they go through the chemo is really yeah, hard horrific, yeah. and it's I think it's hard as well because part of your brain is like well why are they so sick if it's supposed to be making it better yeah. like this doesn't look good yeah, it's and a pure poison yeah. yeah and obviously there are people who have chemo and it does make it better and yeah. they you know I have a friend at the moment that's being treated and it you know for he had stage four bowel cancer and he's had chemo it's been awful but he he's coming through this treatment you yeah. can see it's like okay it does work it works you know, for a lot of people yeah, yeah it's obviously he's got a long long road to go but it, it, it's not I, what i'm trying to say is i'm not saying chemo is bad yeah <laughs> it works but it's really hard to know yeah that it's such a weird treatment that that's all you can do for cancer yeah. just poison someone yeah although i do think even in the t 12 years maybe since dad had chemo they've they've come on in leaps and bounds yeah, in terms sure. of that's true, how they're able to manage people's side effects yeah uh, i mean yeah because i'm 20 years in and it was yeah really dreadful yeah then. i think they've put a lot of work into that which is excellent good work um, guys yeah <laughs> but i mean the chemo gave us dad for another year yeah, or so so that yeah, was the radiation true. as well so he had the these operations and um yeah these were massive brain operations God, that must have been terrifying for you all yeah uh, they all they happened quite quickly i feel right. like it was just like okay well we need to we need to move fast and we need to move now and then it's suddenly what well, they're cutting into his brain that's it's not good. It's nothing you want to hear, is yeah, it? You don't want to hear words cutting into brains. Yeah, and the hospital where they do it in Dublin is <coughs> Beaumont Hospital, which is a big old institution, oh, and it's yeah. got those kind of where the lino goes up the walls, and there's that smell, that you know, smell yeah. of those old Victorian hospitals, yeah, yeah. Um, and those big chairs that are impossible yeah. to move, which <laughs> seems crazy. Like one of the things. Um, that actually I've written about in the book because I have written about this experience yeah, in, yeah. in her books was um, that chairs in hospitals seem so impractical in a place where chair politics are so important. Like there's so always important. four people around yes. the bed and there's only one chair. Yeah. And it's like, well, who gets it? Who's the most important? <laughs> who has to sit on the edge of the bed on the yeah, scratchy blanket? Yeah. And there's always these big, massive armchairs you have to try and reef around yeah. beds. That's something I, you know, a, a detail that really sticks at me yeah. is the, the bed and the chair politics. And when they're in the four bed, you know, as in like four beds on a ward, yeah. and like there's one person with like, they've got all the chairs because their family the love chairs, them. Yeah. And someone with no chairs because no one visits yeah. them and you're like, oh, this, yeah. is, this is horrible. Or if you go into the hospital ward and somebody has more visitors than they're allowed and they're using all of the chair allocations. <laughs> you and you're like so much. giving them the side eye going. <laughs> Have four chairs there, do you? Yeah, why do you need four chairs? Good of yourselves. Yeah, and those people look pretty young, actually. I yeah. think they could stand. They actually look fine. You could actually be in the day room if you really thought about it. Yeah, you could probably get up and walk and yeah. actually probably good for the circulation. Loudly, are you okay there, Dad? Yeah. Oh, my God, the yeah. passive aggressiveness of the hospital ward is yeah. really, yeah, yeah, really hard. My dad eventually got moved into a room by himself when he was dying, mm. a room by himself, and I was really relieved because yeah. I found the ward very... Yeah, very stressful. <laughs> very stressful. Yeah. And I always imagined, you know, things like intensive care or people who are critically ill, you imagine Grey's Anatomy yes. and a darkened yeah, ward with yeah. only spotlights and, you know, yeah. doctors manhandling each other in linen cupboards <laughs> and coming out <laughs> fresh with romance. But no, no, a lot of critically ill people in a big, hot ward with yeah. not enough chairs and custard creams on side <laughs> plates. Like, that's the reality yeah, of you it. Know, yeah, they're doing the best they can. But yeah, it's it's important to break the Hollywood glamour of these situations. Yeah. It's often, yeah. Yeah, not. Dad actually, he ended up in a nursing home wow. um, when he was dying because his brain tumours were so debilitating to him physically. Wow. It meant that he, we couldn't really look after him at yeah. home, even though we really, really wanted to. And we actually battled to look after him yeah. at home, but we had to try and source, you know, hoists and lifts yeah. and, you know, night nurses. And, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult. I wonder, I had this my father-in-law. My father was a very tall man. And he had, um, I don't think it started in his brain, but he, he died of the, mm. it, it spread to his brain. And um, my husband was trying to care for him at the end and it was so hard because you don't like when someone's a big old man yeah. they are heavy they're really heavy yeah they are heavy and my husband's a big guy as well but it was like i remember watching him struggle just to try and turn the bed and stuff yeah. and it was like i remember thinking it's like trying to move a really old tree yeah like that is a heavy it's yeah. it's got a lot, a lot of life it's lived and it's not yeah, it's yeah. really hard. I think we really wanted to bring him home because we knew he wanted to be at yeah. home. Like at that stage, he wasn't, at this was probably around the time we were told he had about six weeks to right. live. And the little bit of communication he could do was, I want to go home, I yeah. want to go home. And we just couldn't do yeah. that for him. It's so painful. to get choked up. But um, so, and I don't think there was really space in a hospice 
and also a hospice I don't know I've never I don't have any experience of hospices because yeah. dad went to a nursing home but I think maybe they're for people who have a very short amount of time yeah. left or perhaps they're in a lot of pain whereas we don't think really which is the one blessing we don't think dad was in a lot of pain mm. from what doctors were telling us and if they yeah. thought he was they were like pumping him full of morphine and yeah. whatever you know it wasn't making any difference at that stage so they suggested a nursing home which is where he went and he was only 60 so it was very hard wow. to see him in um a facility just so full of people in their 80s and 90s yeah. who were there you know kind of naturally rather than because of illness so that was difficult it's so hard isn't it because i think sometimes when you're not in your 60s <laughs> yeah. i'm not it's like oh 60s is you know, like, I think sometimes people don't realise that, like, that's the equivalent of being, like, a 19-year-old in a room with, yeah. like, you know, um, 45-year-old people. Like, yeah. yeah, you'd feel like, I'm I'm a bit young for this. Yeah. I'm 16, you're some 80-year-old. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, that, yeah, I'm a bit young for this. Yeah, so that was tough. And again, when he went into the nursing home, he was still aware that he wasn't at home. And right. he still used to ask, you know, can I, you know, home was kind of one of the only words he used to oh. say. Like it was awful. I remember battling with poor, you know, the Irish Cancer Society is, you know, the the I think it's the Macmillan Trust here. It's right, a similar, yes, okay, similar yeah, body, yeah. and they have amazing palliative care nurses. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the kind of courtyard outside the nursing home, going, "No, we really want to bring him home." And she was trying so hard to explain how just, difficult yeah, it would have been for can't. us to look. And she was like, "And there's so many physical things you would have to look after, and be very difficult as a family member." And I was like, "We don't care." Yeah. And, I, you know, and we started preparing a room at home to bring him oh. home to, and it ended up being the room where we waked him because it was, wow. you know. Freshly painted. Yeah. Um, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I think once they've gone into the facility, yeah. it's very hard to get them out. Yeah. The we facility. managed to bring them home once from that nursing oh. home. We had a neighbour who was a taxi driver, so had access to a wheelchair oh, uh, yeah. van. So he was able to organise to get dad into a wheelchair. Uh, we managed to bring him home. And I remember my eldest brother said, you know where you are, dad? And he said, home. Oh. And we were just, you know... At least, you know, at least he knew yeah. for that, you know, he had been home, but it was tough. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard because I think there is, it's a bit like home birth, isn't it? It's like, that. Like, if, you know, I would have loved a home birth and I ended up with an extremely medical one and like I needed it. And I think it's like, it's lovely if you can die at home, but sometimes yeah. you just can't. Yeah, you just and can't. I think of course you feel guilty like yeah. we didn't do, we didn't do it. But That was it. We yeah. felt guilty and we just felt like every t every second he was in that nursing home he yeah. was hating it yeah but then as those weeks went on he was less and less aware of, of where he was That's it. So. and so it's like there's so many times in life where your, your dad might have asked something you would have been like no like yeah. you know i want to yeah. drive this car and i'm drunk no yeah. like that's not okay my yeah. job is i love you is to say no to that and i think it's hard sometimes not to, to you hear like i'm denying you rather than like no i'm protecting you yeah. by keeping you in this nursing home yeah and you are as vulnerable as a child that's why we you know we protect children from yeah. sticking their fingers in plug sockets even though they sometimes really want to mm -hmm. and yeah he just yeah, yeah he was so vulnerable and yeah. he was such a strong man all his life like yeah. i said he was in the army he looked after us all so well like yeah. he taught me and all my friends how to drive and he was so capable yeah like he was he used to fix everything in our house always a little bit cack-handedly so <laughs> like it's a lot of his handiwork is still obvious in my mother's house so you know if you want to turn on one of the big lights in the sitting room, you have to have another light in another <laughs> room in the house. But it's just a classic dad touch. I yeah, mean, he yeah, just... Yeah. But it works, yeah, it he, works. He could manage to fix everything yeah. eventually. It's so hard when someone who's been strong and big and that yeah. force in your life is then yeah. just... Reduced is the wrong word, but it, it feels like, yeah, it, it feels like reduced to someone so vulnerable and, and you're having to do all the caring. It's so helpless. Yeah, and you're yeah. having to make those big decisions and yeah. you want them to say, it's fine, I'll fix it. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. So that last six weeks is, is in the nursing home. And were you with him when he died? Yeah. Yeah. So were all the family so, around? Yeah, all of, so I have two older brothers and my mum and then two of dad's sisters were there as well. Wow, um, so the whole gang. Yeah, in this small <laughs> little nursing home. So we knew it was, we knew it was coming to the last days. And I don't know if you have experience of this, but what they do when people are dying is a lot of the time they will introduce a pump. Yes. So it's like yeah. they will pump a cocktail of drugs yeah, into the, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it is, but I, I have a feeling it's a form of euthanasia. Yeah. It's just kind of... I sort of think it is, but no one talks about it. It's very high yeah, doses. Like, no one's going to... We all know they're not going to survive that. And they say like they they say it's pain relief. You're like, yeah. I think 
you're helping them go, but yeah, we're not allowed are. to say that because exactly. that sounds bad. But yeah. that is what's happening, which yeah. is good. You don't want them to you don't want drag them to, it out in pain. But at the same time, as soon as they started doing it, I was like, why didn't you do this six weeks ago? Yeah. I don't understand why you dragged it out. I mean, I know legally you're not allowed yeah, to kill somebody with a cocktail of drugs. <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> it. It's like waiting for it to pass the point, isn't it? Yeah, where they just... I, th- I remember one, whatever doctor was on call in the nursing home coming in and looking into dad's face and saying, I think he's in pain. I feel mm. like he's wincing a bit. Oh. I think that was she she just wanted to yeah. to end it. Yeah. And I remember she brought us into the chapel in the nursing home, which was kind of one of the only private spaces yeah, really. Yeah. And she explained this and she said, Is that okay with you? And it was kind of matter of fact. We were yeah. like, Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And I remember Dad died on a Sunday night and I remember I had tickets to go and see Bruce Springsteen oh, wow. in the RDS in Dublin on the Friday night. And I remember saying to one of the nurses in the nursing home, I was like, do you think? It sounds so irreverent now. <laughs> no, but I know, exactly. Life goes on, yeah, you know? Yeah, And I was like, do you think, I mean, is it going to be tonight? And she was like, go to your concert, love. <laughs> go to your concert, have a great time. He'll still be here tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I did go, yeah, yeah. Good for her. Yeah, and she was right. And I went to the concert and I had a great time. And uh, I hope you told him when you got back. I hope you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to Bruce Springsteen, Dad. You would have loved it. Um, but yes, yeah, so those last few days were to, I, I kind of went off the, like personally went off the rails a bit those last of few course, days. Like, yeah. We're from Kildare, which is the, a county south of Dublin. Right. So I was obviously living in Dublin. Um, so I went out on the Saturday night before he died on the Sunday. And wow. late that Saturday evening, you know, some of my friends were going out and I was like, I'm just going to drive to Dublin. Yeah. Like, what else am I going to do? Sit at home crying? I know. And I think it's hard because everyone deals with it so differently. Yeah. And it would be fine if you sat at home crying, but it's equally fine to go out and be with life. Yeah. And I think that's what sometimes people who haven't been through it. They're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, that's like even saying it now, doing? hearing myself saying <clears throat> that I went out on the Saturday night, like it's it sounds so, you know, harsh. Of but a then thing it does What it sounds like is that you went and lived. Yeah. And we talk about this a lot on the show of like when you're around someone who's dying, I don't know if you felt this, I felt like it was getting into me. Yeah. Like my, I felt like it was, death was creeping into me. Yeah. And that's why I cracked jokes, I think, a lot of the time or was irreverent about stuff because, or denied a lot of things. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I feel like I'm dying. Yeah. And I think that laughter and that going out and being with friends is your brain, your survival bit of your brain going, you're not dead. Yeah. You have to remind yourself you're not dead because you're just surrounded by someone who's yeah. just going and you have this kind of feeling of euphoria is the wrong word but you know that feeling you get before a big event and it's kind of nervous anxiety yeah yeah it's that feeling because everyone's treating you differently and you know something's you know shit's about to hit the fan yeah this hasn't done it yet yeah and you're kind of you're not in work and you're in this weird limbo of I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's sort of like summer holiday feeling, but without any joy of like, I'm on summer holidays. But you're like, oh, nothing is existing, but all my friends are at at school and work and doing those things. And I'm sort of out. Yeah, you're in this weird Weird. bubble. And you can't believe other people's lives are just going on as normal. And you're like, no, surely everybody is experiencing this. Or they've done a lot of stuff and you've spent a day at a nursing home. Yeah. And you're like, you did all that. I was there all day doing nothing, but I wasn't doing nothing. I was with my dad. Yeah, it's really weird. weird. I completely understand going out, seeing friends, laughing for a bit and having a break. And they were close friends and they would have, you know, I don't know if they knew that he was yeah. died, that you know it was his last hours but you know they knew he was very sick yeah. and then I drove back to Kildare very early the following morning probably irresponsibly <laughs> and painted our front door red because wow. my mother wanted it painted for the funeral wow. and he hadn't even died but oh, it was just, just important to yeah, her you know just stuff that you just want yeah and sorted. then yeah then he died that Sunday night I think we had all of us been there in the nursing home during the day then we went to a nearby hotel for something to eat and we got a call saying you need to come back oh. and then as you said the irreverence i remember those la- when somebody's dying it can take a very long time yes oh the my last god breaths come and go for hours. yeah and you're like is it now yeah. is, is it now, now? Is and it i now? remember going come on dad like <laughs> you're taking the piss now because <laughs> <laughs> you're like seriously it's like a sketch isn't it you're like yeah i this is starting to get funny yeah I was like I wouldn't be surprised if he was just there going well now I'm gonna show these fuckers (laughs) (laughs) you think I'm gone no 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 yeah yeah. but then he did eventually go uh yeah about 10 o'clock I think and a huge relief yeah very sad but just a huge relief as well you just don't want them to be it's the thing is done that's what you're all waiting for and it's 
and it's it was baffling to me that it's it was so drawn out yeah it's such a cliche to say but like you wouldn't do it to a dog I know you wouldn't you wouldn't let a dog before. or an animal suffer like and that and I find and that amazing like when you do go to a vet and you and they say oh we're gonna put this dog down you're like oh because sometimes the dog's still like yeah, up and fine, about yeah. looking at you <laughs> and you're like Sh- are we gonna murder this dog and yeah. they're like yeah my god this dog's in pain it just can't tell you and you're like but when it comes to humans you're like I mean isn't it, why is that a, it is yeah. a very weird thing like yeah. get it it's, it's difficult. like we're gonna let this man lie here yeah. di- like suffering for and weeks you, would, you and would, months like you said you would ne- dogs would yeah. be he put down months before that yeah. months yeah. before it got that bad it's very um it's it's a very odd but it's a very odd way to to do things yeah. but there isn't i mean i know some places do <coughs> look at a way of, of getting yeah, around yeah yeah it's hard. It's really hard because, yeah, I agree. It's not like there's a simple alternative. No. <laughs> like, just take him out way before, guys. I understand. But yeah. it's when you're watching someone you love and you think, yeah, I know they're in pain. I know that this. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I wonder what they did when like in super, super olden days when you didn't have hospitals like. What did they just wait? Was like, what did oh, yeah, they do? I don't know. God, this is why am I having this it's thought? Like, Sorry, bring, bring out your dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did someone help you? Like, yeah, you know, know, like the local lady in the village come round and like, you just wouldn't have gotten to that point where you would, you would have died. A lot I guess sooner. so. You would have yeah. died sooner because you wouldn't like. You're, yeah, you're right. You wouldn't have had yeah. chemo. You wouldn't have had anything extending it. Yeah. So that life extension is what we now have, but that obsession with that life extension can, I think, yeah, tip over into yeah. a slightly odd place. Yeah. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So you talked about wake, you wake, waked him. Yeah. So just go into that for people who don't know how it's dealt with in Ireland. So usually in Ireland, you will wake a person in their own home. Right. So the person dies and then they'll go to a funeral home to be prepared for yeah. burial and to be to be waked and, you know, all of whatever they do behind the closed doors yeah. in, in the funeral home. Because you often have open, you mainly have open caskets. A lot of time you have yeah. an open casket. Yeah, is that not, is that not? No, it's not that new. It's not that usual here. I don't think. I think it might used to be, but I guess definitely from the sort of um, repressed English Church of England Mm. style, it's definitely like. Well, I don't think we want to look at the body. (laughs) Thank you. And you don't have a wet. You have what we would, what sometimes called a wake, which is the party afterwards. Okay. Yeah. When you say waked him, that's we. I. I mean, some people do obviously, but it's more. I would say Church of England very common that they go to the funeral home. You don't see them. They're in a box. They yeah, go behind that curtain, at, or they go in the ground, or yeah. they go cremated, and then you go to the pub and have dry yeah. sandwiches. Yeah, like they're not there for that bit. Yeah, we have the dry sandwiches as well, but we also have a party before that. Yeah, yeah. So um, the waking is most often in the person's home, and it will usually be either for a day or two days before wow. the the funeral, depending on family wishes yeah. or how many people they're expecting to come yeah. and pay their respects. So and the coffin is there. The in coffin the home. is in the home, yeah. and it usually stays in the home for at least one night. Wow. Um, and then there's a removal. Right. So sorry, at the wake, people come, pay their respects. You can go into the room where the coffin is. You can touch the person's yeah. dead person's hands. You can say a prayer. There might be a decade of the rosary, depending on 
the religious, you know, yeah, wants yeah. and wills of, of the people who were there. And then usually there will be a removal the evening before the funerals. The removal is where you remove the body from yeah. the home and bring it to the church. And who does the removal? Who physically does yeah, for the funeral, funeral, the funeral home? Right, yeah. Okay, yeah. So they'll bring one of those big long black right, horses. Right. And so that's, I'm pretty sure that's what we did for dad. And then what I found really difficult is the body stays overnight in the church alone. Oh, wow. I think if you want, you can choose to stay or you, someone yeah. can stay with them. God, um, it's, so, it's so fascinating how different yeah, people deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, is anyone there in the church? No. That's mad. Yeah, it's mad. So, so it? as an English person, I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's mad. Now you can do the removal the morning of the funeral, right. and some people, and I think maybe that's maybe becoming more common. That's quite Church of England. Yeah, like you, it, it gets picked up from the funeral directors yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Then you, they normally drive to your house. You get picked up in all these funeral cars, and then you go yeah, to the, the church. Yeah, fancy limousines. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's sort of kept in the fridge yeah. until it goes. To, and yeah. it's only in the church really for like. The also, ceremony. I think the gap between death and funeral is much longer here in the UK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very it's like quick in weeks. Ireland. It's usually three days oh wow yeah. yeah no sometimes it's like two weeks because you've got organized you've got to book the church yeah and get the funeral director so they just they're just sitting in that fridge yeah. i think usually in ireland because the network the whispering network yeah. is so close the priest already knows he's right <laughs> prepared the prayers of the faithful have yeah. been assigned that auntie's going to bring the up the offertory procession and wow. you know this is all for a catholic yeah um, yeah a catholic so yeah was it hard service. for you knowing he was going to be there by himself that was really hard yeah, yeah. It was very difficult. It's low, you know, it's lonely. But in his final few months, he became a little bit more religious than he right. had been. So, yeah. you know, we were a kind of middling Catholic family. You know, we went yeah. to mass every Sunday until I was about 14 and put the foot down and said, <laughs> no, I'm not going anymore. My dad went occasionally. But as he as he got sicker and sicker, he, I think, was leaning on religion a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And asked to see a priest a few times and prayed a bit. And, you know. Yeah. So I kind of tried to reconcile that yeah. with the fact that he was in the church. And my mother would be, again, kind of middling religious and yeah. it might have been important to her. So, But I had been dreading the funeral. Yeah. I knew it was coming for months. It was the it was, I was so anxious about it. I was so afraid of being so upset in front of people. Yeah. I had kind of decided I was going to do a eulogy because I felt like he deserved it. Yeah. You, know, I, you know, masses are very just often stayed kind yeah. of the priest wouldn't have known dad that well so I just wanted to say nice things about him but I was I was dreading it it yeah. was I was dreading it nearly more than him dying if that makes yeah, sense it yeah. was the, well it's almost the acceptance of him dying yeah you standing there talking about him in the past tense is yeah. almost more real than oh, this person who's been sick for ages is in a nursing home yeah. and I know they've been sick for years. Yeah. So that's, yeah. And showing emotions to people, yeah. you know, again, a very Irish thing to just be like, <laughs> no, we're all grand, put yeah. on the kettle. Well, that's what we definitely have in yeah. common with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, it's fine. They were a wonderful person. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. So did you do the eulogy? Yeah. Did you write it or did I you just... I wrote it. You wrote yeah. it, yeah. I actually started writing it weeks beforehand wow. and had a few different drafts. Yeah. Just things I wanted to include. Uh, he had been in the army. That was a big part of his life. I wanted to mention that. And him and my mom were best friends. And, you know, we'd had this great dog growing up and, you know, wanted to mention that. Just all yeah. these little things. And also, we dad loved music. And we wanted to play one of his favourite songs in the church. So we actually had to battle against the will of the priest who said wow. that it wasn't appropriate. What was the song? Uh, <laughs> it was Forever in Blue Jeans by Neil Diamond. Oh, that's not, <laughs> yeah. that's not like... I don't know, like something really rude or something. Yeah, so like I think the evening before the funeral in our house, maybe at the before the removal, I think I had so said, so father, whatever his name was, uh, we'd like to play a bit of music at the end of, of the ceremony. Yeah. If that's okay, we'll bring a CD player. It'll all be fine. And he was asking what the song was and we told him and he was like, mm, that might not be appropriate. And I think I was just like, well, do you know what? You can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that to a priest? Because I'd love to yeah, have seen that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I actually said that, but <laughs> yeah. maybe my face said yeah, it Yeah, your face must so have So I enlisted it. My, one of my really good friends, Deirdre. I said, well, there's going to be a CD player near where you're sitting. So when I give the nod at the end of the <gasps> eulogy, I want you to press play. Oh, this is amazing. So you stealth. You were like, sure, father, sure, babes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. This is proper like... 
yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you, you pay it, babes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I want. Yeah. He must so, have known. He must have I known. Don't, I don't. I remember him sitting in his throne on the yeah. altar with his lips pursed, <laughs> while my little nieces danced in the aisles like money talks. <laughs> and every time I hear the opening strains of that song, I'm just it catches in my throat. Yeah. I'm like, <gasps> oh. That I've talked about before. The um, the one of the end the end song at my dad's funeral was um this Frank Zappa song Peaches mm-hmm. and Regalia which um, luckily is a really obscure Frank Zappa so I don't hear it very often okay. but that's one of my really lasting memories of that funeral I don't really remember my, I remember bits but I remember it was in the, um, this amazing church in the city of London and it, it's, it's I think it's a really old church like you know in the 1600s it was built or something and um probably not true it's old <laughs> and I was thinking someone's going to tweet me oldest tape oldest tape and um, I remember just the mute this instrumental music just filling this huge yeah. like gothic church and I remember feeling really like wow yeah this is this is a really great way to have him here and have him present and I would have hated to be told no you you know we had some hymns as well and stuff yeah. but it was like that's not the person the person exactly you know yeah. the person wasn't didn't live and die as a priest then there might be other music. And yeah. even if they did live and die as a priest, they might have really liked Neil Diamond. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, 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 I, it's such a nice memory I have. Yeah. And the relief, yeah. as that song played, the re- I was like, I've done it. I've done it. All I have to get through now is the burial. That's, and then that's it done. Bless I can you. have a big glass of wine. <laughs> and yeah, so did sleep you get, for a thousand years. Were you emotional in the eulogy? Yeah. yeah. Which a I little, think is of course, of course. A, a little bit, but I, I held it together yeah. enough not to completely, I remember it, uh, Dad, because Dad was in the army, but he had retired 20 years previously. Yeah. Like in Ireland, you need to serve 21 years in the army and then you can retire. So wow. he had joined at 17. Wow. So was able to leave, you know, quite yeah. young. But some of his old army buddies had come in their uniforms, oh. had brought an Irish flag and draped it over the coffin wow. and carried the coffin in and out. Wow. Which was just, you know, because he wasn't an active serviceman, he didn't have yeah. like, an, you know, an army funeral, but that he would have loved that yeah. like he, he, the ceremony of it the importance of it he would have just loved that and these were men also in their 60s struggling under the weight <sighs> of a coffin with my brothers like it was yeah. but then the, yeah the Neil Diamond was just yeah perfect perfect and yeah. it starts with that very soft guitar chords it's like do 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 oh, yeah, and, yeah, it's, yeah. and then it builds and builds and my little nieces at the time were you know five six yeah. kind of they didn't know what was going on so they were twirling their skirts and dancing and it was just the perfect send off yeah. I think yeah it's why the fuck not yeah yeah <laughs> why the fuck not um so then you you know your dad has died yeah what was your grieving process like did you sit in your room and cry I mean obviously you didn't because you then immediately started creating a comedy character yeah not really um I guess because I knew it was coming yeah you yeah. know I probably didn't deal with it for for a long time I actually only started going to therapy Wow. in the past six months right and it's wow. been 10 years since dad well, died 18 years yeah, it took me yeah. yeah I think it's not uncommon to need time to process it all yeah I think I was kind of afraid that I was going to go to therapy and she was just going to bring everything back to well your dad died and that's yeah. why this happened yeah and I was like well, that just seems like an easy way out you know yeah um, but sometimes you don't give yourself that that kindness yeah I have this all the time like my therapist every single thing she's like we come back to it it's like oh it's about my dad yeah and I'm like oh god this is so boring and then she's like but something really it's a big trauma why yeah. why wouldn't it have affected you yeah. and I for years was like I don't want to be defined by it yeah. and now I am absolutely defined yeah. by it. I mean I'm yeah. doing this fucking podcast and um it took me so long to let myself yeah. go oh yeah that's probably why that happened yeah. my therapist says that as well like I have this thing where I go, but why am I making such a big deal out of this? Mm. The fact that dad died, everyone loses parents. Everyone goes through this. And she was like, not everyone goes through, like some people go through their lives with very, very little trauma. Yeah. And you know, she was like, you have been through significant trauma throughout your life. And you know, this, this is why you cope with things today yeah. in these ways. And you know, it's hard to accept that. And she's yeah. like, you're, you're too hard on yourself. Yeah, I think you're too hard on yeah. yourself. <laughs> I do as well, because it's like, some people, you know, yeah, lose their parents in their sleep when they're 95. Yeah. And I think also, and I know I always bang on about birth and death and it pisses people off. But I'm, if somebody had a baby, no one would be like, my God, your child is 10, get over it. Yeah. Like, so what? You've got a kid, like, send him out, give him a job. We wouldn't do that. We'd be like, oh, you're a mum for life. Yeah. And you're, um, you've lost your dad for the rest of your life. Yeah. 
Like yeah. that's, why is that any different? Like know, it's a yeah. huge thing. They're half of who you are. They were your, they're the reason you exist. Of course them dying makes everything in the world completely different. And I feel like it, it changed my life yeah. completely. Yeah. And I think I would have had a very different life. Yeah. Very different life. What did it give you, died. do you think then? <sighs> what did it give me? Probably stronger connection to my family. Like, yeah. we, you know, we were, you know, a, f a fine family, but probably wouldn't have been much for kind of hugging and, you yeah. know, hanging out together an awful lot. And in the years after he died, we definitely did that a lot. I was, I remember being really sad that he had died before I was friends with him, if that makes sense. Mm. So he died when yeah. I was 27. And even though that's quite old. Well, yeah, but it's all relative. Just, I had yeah. just finished my degree, you yeah. know, I had. I, I was kind of just about ready to, to start my my proper adult life. Yeah, yeah. And then he died. He got sick when I was in college. Yeah. And I felt like I never got to have that period of time where we were friends. Yeah. You know, we fought all like cats and dogs when I was a teenager, you know, mm. carried on a bit into my 20s. Just, you know, usual. Yeah, you yeah. Know, dad, daughter. Oh, God, know. yeah, yeah. But, um... Yeah, I felt really sad that I'd missed out on the chance of being his friend. Yeah. As opposed to his daughter. It's hard, isn't it, as well? Because there's no way you can go back in time and tell that person. Yeah. You should hang out with him. Because you just yeah. can't... And actually, that's the natural process. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't say to anyone... I mean, I'd say to someone, like, appreciate your dad, but equally, you... You can't force you it. Can't you can't force be like, it, no. right, we're going to sit down and become friends yeah. because you might die. Like, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. But yeah, there's... there's but I think we would have been good friends. Yeah, yeah. And I know that he had a nice plan for his, for his you know, the, yeah. the third, third act of his life would yeah. have been, I would imagine, a lot of travelling. You know, my yeah. mum was a teacher and she had, she retired just before he got sick. Yeah. You know, they had a great life planned out for themselves. Yeah, it's um, really hard. And it's really sad, yeah. yeah. So... And is it yeah. sad? It's just sad. Yeah. And it's hard to... I've just found that so hard for so many years to just let it be sad and not yeah. let it be like, no, I don't want it. Like, I don't want that. I don't want to be sad. Who wants yeah. to be sad? Like, I spend a lot of my time <coughs> avoiding being sad. Yes, same. Like, same. If you work even comedy, when I was coming here to talk to you today, yeah. I was like, oh, I feel like I might get sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I had for years. I was yeah. like, which is why I would talk about it privately. But the podcast, like, even now, I sometimes think, why did you do it? Because you don't like being sad. But somehow I think it's, I think for me, it's it's in control of being sad. Because it's like, yeah. well, I'm choosing how I talk about it and no one can surprise me. Yeah. But I, in my family, my mum's from a very working class background and I, I oh, maybe it's unfair, but I do feel there's a slight working class thing of like, just get on with it. Bust yeah. yourself down. Worst things happen at sea. Yeah. Like that, all that attitude, like, don't be sad. Don't be sad. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is be sad, which is like why we probably both work in comedy. Yeah. But probably. also yeah. why we're in therapy to deal with our sadness. Yeah. Yeah. And why I wrote about, you know, this is a bit of a spoiler, but wrote about, you know, my dad's yes. illness and death yeah. in a comedy book rather yeah. than, you know, talking to my mother about it or, yeah. you know. How was it writing about it? Did you find it cathartic or? I did. Mm. It kind of happened by accident, you know. Really? As I said, Sarah and I got this book deal kind of handed to us. Yeah. You know, it, we were approached. So it wasn't <coughs> like we had written anything. Yes. And yeah. went to a publisher with 40,000 words and said, you want us to write the other half or whatever. Yeah. So we had these, you know, 80, 90,000 words to fill. And we had the character, but we didn't yeah. have much more than that. So they say, write what you know. So, yeah. you know, we started fleshing it out and it was like, maybe daddy gets sick. And then it was yeah. like, maybe daddy gets really sick. So, <laughs> you know, what happened to my dad was he got sick, he got better, he got sick, yeah. he got a bit better, he got sick and he died. And that's kind of the, the what happens in the book. Kind yeah, of. That's, yeah. you know, um, reading, I actually read back over some of it last night because I hadn't read that the book yeah, in a while. Yeah. And reading back over it, I was like, did I write this? Wow. I don't. You know, it's so concise and yeah. clear about what it was like in those months in the hospital. it was hospital. so fresh for you. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, it was. But it's just like I, I didn't tell my family that I was putting dad's story oh, into the book. How did that go down? <laughs> it went down well, I think. Oh, good, yeah. So, like, when I told my mum, me and Sarah are writing a book and she was like, what's this, you know, book in inverted <laughs> commas? She was very sceptical. She was like, sure. that's and then I gave up my job. job. Oh, yeah, she didn't like <laughs> yeah. that, right? Yeah. And she was like, apparently they're writing a book. <laughs> um, I knew the second she got the book that she would know that, it, yeah. that, you know, there were huge parts of both her and dad in it. Yeah. And there are. 
um, you know, dad, we always had cats and dogs at home and dad would always be like, oh, that bloody cat, that yeah. second cat, we loved it. <laughs> like, absolutely loved it. If it went missing, he was out, you know, searching the hedges. And that's a big thing with, you know, yeah. Ashling's dad in the book. It's always the bloody cat, capital B, capital C. Yeah, He's always yeah. sitting in his chair. So little things like that, I knew mom would recognise instantly. Course, yeah. You know, and the first hints of, of daddy's illness in the book come quite early. Mm. So I knew that she would, I knew that she would know. That, yeah. that was, you know, largely based on, on him. And she just said that he would have been very proud of me. Yeah. And I remember she said to a friend of mine at our book launch, you know, I, th I think she needed to write this, I think. <laughs> you know, she wouldn't say it directly to I me. I such a wrong <laughs> yeah. thing to say to someone else. And your friend is like, your mom And then my this. friend reported it yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I didn't set out to write Dad's story in yeah. that book. It just happened. God, and that's so, I find that so fascinating, yeah. though, that you created... A, a really funny girl when you were not feeling funny yeah so it's almost like you gave yourself this little person that could be silly and funny and yeah. and you could notice all this stuff about her so you were not having to look oh i'm really sad and yeah. all this yeah. and then you let you made what happened to you happen to her yeah and i think that's a real um that's like a writer's way of dealing with something. Yeah. It's like, I can't, which to me, that's what I mean, it's funny. It's like, you are a writer because your yeah. first instinct was like, I'm going to put this over here. Yeah. In the way that like, <laughs> I'm, I would say I'm like almost a professional talker because the way I've started processing is that I have started recording myself talking yeah. to people about it. And when people say, oh, like, oh, you know, did you practice talking to people? It's like, what do you mean? No, I, I'm just talking. That's what yeah. I do all my life is I've been talking about it. And I think that's fascinating that you yeah. gave and you were able to control it and step back from it and look yeah, at it. Yeah, I felt really sorry for Ashling. Yeah. And you know, when it happened to her. In a way that you haven't been to yourself, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And um, one of the most rewarding things about the whole success of our books and everything has been the sheer number of people who've contacted us. And in particular, who've <coughs> contacted us about the daddy storyline. Yeah, yeah. So many people have gone, I feel like, I felt like you were in the hospital with me. Wow. How did you know that about the custard creams? <laughs> yeah, How yeah. did you know that about the slippers under the, you know, yeah. I, one thing used to kill me about dad was the slippers, the good slippers is lying useless under the I bed know. that he was never going to put on again. But they bought you know? in, they bought in in case he needs Yeah, them. and then it's going, yeah. going out pyjamas. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, but that's been so, so rewarding is hearing from people who it's really helped and we've been accused by so many people. They're like, I thought it was a funny book. I was crying on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like this podcast as well. It's like, oh, it's comedy and someone's like, I was crying. Yeah. I'm like, but isn't that life? Isn't yeah. life like you are laughing and you are crying? Yeah. And that's that's what I look for in, I sound like a wanker now, but like what I always look for in art is things that move me and make me smile as exactly, well. Yeah. I'm not someone who, I don't like comedy where I'm just laughing. Like yeah. I always want more because I'm like, ah, oh, but that's not, that's not my experience. Yeah. And I think if you've been through something as traumatic as this, you do go, well, that's not what life is. It's it's harder than that. Yeah. And, and how great to mix the two. Like, yeah. And still be laughing. It's, you know, like it's a hilarious book. It's a hilarious character to still be having those lighter moments. Yeah. But yeah, people, they feel like they've been tricked because you made them think about death. Yeah. And the, they don't want to think about death. Exactly. And they just weren't expecting to cry. Yeah. Um, it's quite funny the number of people who were like, I was on the train and suddenly I was crying. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I get a lot of those. But now people, they'll tweet about it and they'll go, um, oh, you should listen to Grief Cast, but be careful if you're listening on the train. Yeah. Like, you might start crying. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it comes forewarned yeah, with it. Ashling should come with a warning on the cover. You yeah, yeah, mate. Because it's yeah. true, all the stuff around it is, it's so funny, it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps they need a little sticker saying, yeah. make And then in tears. the second book, obviously, it's kind of the aftermath of Daddy's death yeah. and approaching that first Christmas and wow. missing them. And, yeah. you know, it's... All of that was drawn on from, from personal experience as God, well. how incredible so, that you've been able to draw on all this stuff and yeah. then give it to this girl and yeah. watch her deal with it. I think yeah. that's amazing, Yeah, Ema. it's been... Yeah, it's, it's been... You asked earlier, what what did you get from yeah, his death? Yeah. And probably that's what, what yeah. it has been. Yeah. yeah. I'm only sad that he's not around to see it. I it's know, like, that's the shit bit, yeah. isn't it? It's, I know exactly how you feel because you go, oh, this thing's doing well and it's really connecting with people and I'm really proud that it's connecting with people because I went through a traumatic experience yeah. where you died. So you can never see this. That's why yeah, this exists. Because yeah. if my dad hadn't died, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to yeah. you. And I have, um, I have Instagrammed about this, actually. I got invited to um, a fundraiser for PCUK, Pancreatic Cancer UK, who is, that's what my dad yeah. died of. And um, Suggs from Madness had organised it because his sister-in-law died of pancreatic cancer. And they throw this amazing gig every year. They raise loads of money. And they invited me to come and I was so excited and I was, you know, like a foot away from Suggs singing amazing. It Must Be Love. Oh, like, amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
And I just had that moment where I was like, I'm only here because you're dead. Yeah. And it just, I started crying in the middle of like, everyone was like, it must be love. And they were all like <laughs> losing their shit because Suggs is literally in front of you singing it. And I thought, that's life for me. All yeah. these moments are so wonderful. And at the same time, absolutely wrapped up in sadness. Yeah. But now I just try and let them rather than be like, kill the sadness. Yeah, I'm like, everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of, and you must have had that with this book. Every time you get offered, you know, a screenplay or yeah. something new and exciting, you're like, yeah. yeah, it exists because they died. Yeah. Sarah and I were on uh, The Late Late Show, which oh, is yeah, Ireland's biggest show, yeah. chat show. You know, everyone watches it on a Friday night. And that would have been the pinnacle of dad's pride. Yeah. Like, she's on the late, late. Jesus, Alice set the record. <laughs> she's on the late, late. Um, but, you know, he's not here, so. Yeah. And I think what I try and take comfort from is that I know what he would have said about it. Yeah. And I think some people don't. And I try and take, that's what I try and take, that I know he would have said, wow, record it. I'm yeah. really proud. Oh, he would have been down in the village telling anyone yeah. who'd listen, you know. And I think that's all, you, I've said this to someone, that's like, all you can do all you can hope your parents do is love you so much that when they're gone, you know what they would have said and they would have yeah. still loved you. That's kind of... Because like everyone, like you said, they're all going to die. Yeah. And if they did that, it sounds like he did a really good job of loving you. Yeah, yeah. He was always very proud, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, Ema, thank you so much for coming to talk to me about... Thank you. Leslie. Full name, what was the full Leslie name? Leslie Thomas Peter McLeisett. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Sounds like a real gent. Thank you for having me. It's been very cathartic to thank talk you. about it. You can follow Ema on Twitter at Ema the Screamer, and Ema is spelled E-M-E-R. Her two books, Oh My God, What a Complete Ashling and The Importance of Being Ashling, are out on paperback now. Do buy them. They're extremely funny. And do follow on Twitter as well. She is a very, very, very funny lady and worth the social media follow. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast and you can email thegriefcast at gmail.com. Music was provided by The Glue Ensemble and the show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.